Finals Wednesday is upon us once again here on Locked on Grizzlies. DeMichael Cole and I are here with you. And DeMichael, today on this episode of Locked on Grizzlies, we're going to talk about an article that you wrote recently about how Marcus Smart and Jaron Jackson Jr. could be one of the best defensive pairings in the league. Is that a championship defensive core? Is there potential regression for Jaron coming in or coming off of such a strong season? And then obviously the Grizzlies have to improve on the offensive end of the floor as well. That and more, we're talking next here on Locked On Grizzlies. Let's lock in. You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Finals Wednesday to you out there, however you're taking in the show, whether it's on YouTube, however you get your podcasts, literally anywhere you get podcasts. You can check out Locked on Grizzlies, which is the show that I am so fortunate to be able to be the co-host of and a show that I am so fortunate to be joined once again by the other host of Locked on Grizzlies, Mr. DeMichael Cole of the Commercial Appeal there in Memphis, Tennessee. DeMichael, how are you doing on this fine Wednesday episode talking NBA Finals aspirations for the Grizzlies once again. I'm doing great, Joe. Uh, you know, this is this is kind of we're in the August dog days, mm. uh, where we we say the off season of dog days, but when you get to August, it's really the dog days. So yeah. you know what that means for me? I get the leg back. I got to watch mm. the the World Championships a, a couple days ago. Shout out to Shakira Richardson, uh, shutting up all the haters out there <laughs> and winning that hundred meter race. But uh. I'm chilling, though. How you doing? I'm very busy. See, I'm the exact <laughs> This is my oh, busiest August, time of the year. August is here. Yeah. Is <laughs> uh, for, for those that don't know, I, I'm a high school teacher and, and football coach by trade, and this is the busy time of year for me. So, yeah, uh, you know, I'm a little bit tired, but I'm going to power through for year, for you, DeMichael. I'm going to power through, but mostly for our dear listener, our dear viewer, whoever's checking out the show. DeMichael plus you equals me carrying very much about you enjoying this episode of Locked On Grizzlies. Again, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you're checking us out over on YouTube. Like, comment, rate, review, subscribe. All those fun things as proud members of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team each and every day. DeMichael, you've had some free time, as you alluded to. Well-deserved, in fairness. My slower time of the year is much busier for you. So I think that, you know, it ebbs and flows and comes and goes. I'm curious to Michael for for you looking at this Grizzlies team when you're writing an article and we're going to lead off our show today talking about one of your latest pieces. You know, you you focused on Marcus Smart, Jaron Jackson Jr. as a defensive tandem and how that could be one of the best one two defensive punches in the NBA to extrapolate upon that within our conversation here on Lockdown Grizzlies. It's a finals Wednesday. When you did your research for that piece, which if you haven't read it, you should go to the Commercial Appeal and check it out. When you, you know, kind of thought through the process of writing that, did you come to a place where you see Jaron Jackson Jr., you see Marcus Smart, and improve Desmond Bain, uh, a healthy, hopefully, maybe that's a topic for another episode of of Locked On Grizzlies, the Stephen Adams drama around that injury. Um, when you think about these things, do you see this as a championship-level defense, even beyond Marcus Smart and Jaron? Obviously, you can touch on what you wrote about, but when you look at this roster as a whole, they say 
offense wins games, defense wins championships. Is the Memphis right. Grizzlies defense capable of being such a defensive unit? Yeah, and there's another thing uh, that you can add to everything that you just said, and that's a championship uh, defense type coach. I think Taylor Jenkins, from the defensive standpoint, we'll talk sure. offense later. Uh, defensively, he he is a championship caliber coach. Sure. Uh, the Grizzlies, the last couple of years, have been one of the best defenses in the NBA, and not just in the regular season. If you go to those playoff games, yes, they've had their struggles against the Lakers, against Golden State. But there were a couple games that were just ugly that they lost where sure. it was more, you know, they couldn't get much going offense, but the defense was keeping them in games. And, and they lost a game like that against the Lakers. They lost a couple games like that against Golden State, you know, right. in that series. So uh, defensively, I think there's a lot to work with. Now, as we get to kind of the butt of this conversation, Mm-hmm. Your your defensive core, you know, has to be established with your with your top dogs. I'll say, of and, and there's no doubt about it. The top dogs here, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., Marcus Smart, two guys, the last two winners of the Defensive Player of the Year award. But then you got a guy like Stephen Adams, who is a very quality uh, de- defender as well, who grades out really well. Uh, Desmond Bain grades out decently on defense as well. So you pretty much got one player in Jaw, who's your best offensive player, that you kind of got to you know, hide against certain teams on defense or whatever the case may be. But the thing is, a lot of teams, you know, you're not going to play too many teams who have three guys in the backcourt. Maybe the Suns potentially who have, you know, three guys who average 20-plus points per game that will force Ja to guard a little bit more. But most nights, um, maybe the Warriors would be the other good example, but you can throw him on Clay And, and, you know, Clay's not going to do a lot of ball handling that's going to tire Ja out. So with all that being said, uh, the only concern that I have defensively right now, and I, I I don't I wouldn't say it's a concern, it's more of a I have to see it with right. my own eyes with the Grizzlies, is I want to see Marcus Smart guard those taller wings in the Western Conference because everything that I've heard, everything that I've heard has been geared towards uh, people telling me actually it's the smaller, quicker, it's the Steph Curry's, it's the De'Aaron <clears throat> mm-hmm. Foxes that he's probably going to struggle with a little bit more. I know people threw Trey Young's name out there to me. They threw uh, Steph Curry in the finals, you know, out there as another one. And we saw Steph Curry against Marcus Martin and the rest of that group in the finals. So there's some validity to that. But at the end of the day, we're not going to have to wait long to see it, Joe, because first game yeah. of the season is against New Orleans Pelicans. Who's guarding that 6'9 long dude, Brandon Ingram, who when he gets cooking, he can really, you know, fill it up. And we haven't seen him dominate the Grizzlies like that because usually Dylan Brooks takes that right. matchup and you have that advantage. But uh, I want to see if he's going to take on that task when uh, you have a guy like that on the other end or when it's Paul George right. is on the other end. Do you put him on Kawhi? Do you put him on Paul? Whatever, whoever the case may be, it's a much taller guy who's efficient in the mid-range, and he's going to have to be that guy that can get them off their spots because I think that's what creates a championship defense. At the end of the day, everyone's going to run their plays in the regular season and all that, draw up all these nice, cool things. But in the playoffs, the best players will tell you it's about buckets. It's about, hey, this guy in front of me can't stop me. Give me a, give me a screen. Let me go off the dribble and let me do my thing. And that's what it's going to come down to. The Grizzlies got a couple guys who can lock up in Marcus and Jaron. Uh, I like Dez's one-on-one defense against certain players who aren't, you know, super long. I don't like him against a, a KD, uh, mm-hmm. but I, I'll take my chances with him against Bradley Bill. You see what I'm saying? Right. So uh, I think 
this is a championship defense, uh, to say the least, but uh, there are some things that will need to be addressed early in the season. And they'll have to grow through those things again. Friendly reminder, if you're listening to the show or watching the show, chances are you already know this. John Moran's going to be out the first 25 games, right? So we're yeah. not going to see this team in its final form until January at the earliest. And then once you get into January, now you're flirting with Brandon Clark returning from his Achilles injury, right? Yep. It's possible we don't know what this Grizzlies team is until March. And once you hit March, obviously you're in the playoff push. We've yeah. talked about on this episode of Locked On Grizzlies, bringing it back to the finals Wednesday vibe. You and I don't necessarily care as much anymore about October, November, December. Don't get me wrong. The in-season tournament, I'll take your word for it to Michael. I'm sure it'll be fun. And you have Christmas, which the Grizzlies aren't playing on this year. Uh, there's all sorts of things within the There's just much season. more to play for now. Yeah. Right. But, again, they've been the two seed the last two years. They've only gotten to the second round one of those two times. Mm-hmm. I think more so than seeding, and we'll talk more about this as the offseason becomes the preseason, I think that most Grizzlies fans would agree with the statement that it's not so much about regular season success anymore. Grizzlies fans would rather make the Western Conference Finals as the sixth seed yep. than be the two seed and get eliminated in the first or second round like they have the last couple of years. And I think the Grizzlies have kind of taken that approach. I could easily see them falling to the sixth seed, but I could also see within that conversation – Come March and April, there's an ESPN uh, segment in which they talk about how the Grizzlies are the team no one wants to see in the playoffs mm-hmm. because they could be one of the better six seeds that's come around in a while, right? And that kind of happened with the Lakers getting hot late in last year, all those sorts of things. So I, I think it was, you know, the Warriors were the six seed this past season, right? So yeah. seeding yeah. doesn't matter quite as much as being healthy and prepared West. for a playoff push. And I think the Grizzlies have embraced that for the first time. Uh, coming into this season that is approaching ever so slowly, right? But it'll be here uh, eventually. When we come back here on Lockdown Grizzlies, we're going to talk about a key cog in that defensive equation for the Grizzlies, Jaron Jackson Jr., the possibility of defensive regression, or is it probability of defensive regression? We'll talk about that next here on Lockdown Grizzlies. But first, this episode of Lockdown Grizzlies is brought to you by Abada. We're at the end of summer here over the next couple of weeks. As you end the summer, that means you've got to get ready for one last great summer barbecue heading into Labor Day. Maybe you're getting burgers and hot dogs for that. If you're doing it, and if you're going to do it anyway, why not get cash back for it? You can do so with Abada. Abada gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods so that you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. You can either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It is that easy. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much. With Abada, you get real cash back, and you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or even gift cards. Right now, Abada is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Abada by using the code LOCKED when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Abada app and use the code L-O-C-K-E-D LOCKED. That's I-B-O. TTA in the Google Play or App Store and use the code LOCKED. When we come back, we're talking potential steps backwards for Jaron Jackson Jr. on the defensive end next here on Locked on Grizzlies. Welcome back to Locked on Grizzlies. I am one of your hosts, Joe Molinax of Bluff City Media. Also, every once in a while, a contributor over at SB Nation. Joined at this time by my co-host, Michael Cole, the commercial appeal there in Memphis, Tennessee. Follow us on X. 
See what I did there? Oh, to Michael you, X. You, you, you got it. You I got hit it. it. You got it. You got it. Uh, it'll always be Twitter to me, darn it. But follow <laughs> us on X at DeMichael C for DeMichael at Joe Mullinax here. Uh, in the previous segment, we discussed the championship defense. Again, if you haven't read the piece from DeMichael over the commercial appeal, talking Jaron Jackson Jr., Marcus Smart, by all means do so. One of the things that concerns me to Michael, and maybe you can, you know, squash this for me a little bit. Both of the names that you reference, and you talk a little bit about this in your article, but both of the names that you reference seem like prime candidates to me to go backwards defensively a bit. And if you listen to certain Boston Celtics fans, they'll argue that it's already happened with Marcus Smart, right? Yeah. yeah. So whether it's the lateral quickness of Marcus Smart, which you talked about a little bit ago. You know, not necessarily struggling with the big guys. It's the it's the Steph Curry's, the Aaron Foxes of the world that are going to give smart fits. Whether it's Jaron Jackson Jr. taking on a larger offensive role, you know, statistically speaking, it's hard to find a guy who is able to be a truly dominant force, both defensively and offensively at the same time. And mm-hmm. in the case of Jaron, his numbers were so exceptional this past season, especially in block percentage. It's hard to see him as an outlier kind of performer being able to improve upon what he's already done. So I think that there's growing, I don't want to say pessimism because I feel like realism is the right way to phrase it. There's a growing thought in my mind and in the minds of other Grizzlies fans that I see online and and message boards that it's possible that we see this defense step back a bit because of the fact that Jaron can't possibly do what he did last season again, right? And Marcus Smart, another year older, maybe Boston knows something we don't, and Smart is a little bit washed on that end of the floor. Yeah. Um, first of all, before I get to this this regression talk, I, I want to talk about the just briefly this regression in, in barbecue that you just said with the with the oh. Ibotta, bur- burgers burgers and hot dogs so you you haven't been out of memphis that long <laughs> this, this you're cooking for for what a bunch of four-year-olds or something over there it's 16 burgers. or 17 year olds yeah oh, when man. when i hosted my last cookout it was for football players um so, so you gotta chicken. liven it up a little bit a little bit yeah. of chicken a little bit of barbecue chicken right now we talking now we talking. yeah a little bit get the smoker going maybe a pork butt mm-hmm. or something along those lines yeah i'm okay. i still got a little bit of memphis in me tomorrow. okay come on it's been just, a while just, but just making sure just, just i can just put higher sure. quality meats on the grill don't worry i believe it and, and, and <laughs> it's speaking of the quality here we're talking about two of the two Two high quality defenders in Jaron and Marcus Smart. But here's here's the thing, uh, Joe. Uh regression in terms of Marcus Smart, I really don't think so because you, you go back to last season and what we heard in terms of why he didn't why he went from the defensive player of the year two years ago to not making mm-hmm. an all-defensive team, not only sure. just not not making it, one of his teammates, Derek White, uh was the guard who was selected from the Celtics. So you weren't even the best guard defender on his own team. Uh Injuries. And mm. I talked to a lot of people in, in Boston who basically told me that it wasn't just the fact that he was injured. He played through it and, and you know, he didn't make excuses. But but people were telling me that, you know, those small, you know, small injuries, I guess, to the naked eye were. Were limiting, you know, it was limiting some of the 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 movements he could make and things like that he was he was battling through it so the numbers as you mentioned and as i wrote about the numbers did show regression last season but i also mentioned that there was another year before that where he was hurt and then there was a year before that when he was healthy sure. and he was all all defensive defender so when he's healthy 
he's an all-defensive guy. Now, the problem is when you talk about Marcus Smart, sometimes he can get in his own way in terms of he's going to be diving all over the floor. People tell me this guy will do it in a preseason game. And, you know, as he, he's getting closer to 30, might got to dial it back just a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. not not all the way, but but let that loose ball go out of bounds. You know, sure. Live the fight for the next possession instead of jamming your shoulder up and now you're playing, you know, playing through that and whatnot. So um I think availability is a bigger concern in terms of Marcus Smart than it is with Jaron. Sure. Uh Jaron, for the most part, the last two seasons, when he's been available, he's played. Uh there was the off-season injury. And then the year before that, he played a career high in games. I think it was 78 of 82. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. He's been remarkably healthy over the past couple of years when, you know, he's been able to be on the floor. So uh, from Jaren, the availability question is more about the fouls. Uh, every year, pretty much that he's qualified and, and played the minutes to qualify, he's been top five in fouls per games. I think he has a couple seasons where he's been number one, a <laughs> couple seasons where he finished third. Mm-hmm. But uh, – Four out of five years in the NBA, he's been top five in fouls per games. And the only year he wasn't was the year he missed most of the season. Right. Uh, I think this is the year you say, all right, Jaron, look, we we want you to, to progress in that area. This, yeah, you can still be in the top ten. Be eight. That's that's progress because he's, he's, he's been third and first. Like right. clearly, clearly he's going to foul. And the way he plays, you, you're okay with it at times because he's going to give you a bunch of remarkable blocks in the process. Now, here's a tricky thing that I also want to mention. You remember, you know, we, we had this conversation a lot when when the Grizzlies played the Jazz and, and mm-hmm. Dylan Brooks guarded Larry yeah. Markkinen. I know where you're going with this. And when they played the Pelicans, right? And he, he and Dylan Brooks would guard Zion. From the people I've talked to within the Grizzlies organization, there's belief that Marcus Smart can guard one through four. But are we going to see it? Because Dylan Brooks would take those matchups, and the good part about Dylan taking those matchups, it allowed is where you think I'm going with this. It allowed Jaron to be in that Roma role, which is where he gets a lot of his blocks. Right? Jaron gets a lot of his blocks, and we've seen it with Team USA. Though they had six blocks, and and very rare. I won't say very rare because it's not it's not rare, but it's just. Less of his blocks are when he's guarding the guy one on one, and they just go at him, and he just right. A lot of it is just help side defense, and he's coming over, he's protecting his teammates. Sure. And if you if you don't have a Dylan Brooks to guard a Zion to guard a Laurie Markkinen, uh, he's going to have to pick up those matchups in man to man, and you know, Markkinen in particular is going to bring you away from the basket, and it makes me wonder: is he going to get the same type of, uh, you know, get the same type of access to to creating those block opportunities which means his numbers could regress naturally a little bit not necessarily the player regressing but personnel could change his numbers a little bit i think that's an important point to make right and Mm -hmm. i agree with everything you just said i don't necessarily see the regression aspect either especially when it comes to jaron in the traditional sense is it possible his block percentage gets worse like not as good as it was last year. Yeah. Because again, it was obscenely good, right? Like he could go from outlier, you know, Hakeem Olajuwon, you know, esque stuff to Kembe yeah. Matumbo esque stuff, even yeah. better than that. And drop down to, you know, around their realm again, instead of being substantially better than two of the best defensive bigs that's ever played. 
right? I think that is a point to make. It's not like we're saying Jaron's going to suck. We're saying he's going to come back to being, instead of an otherworldly defender, a phenomenal defender to a really good one, right? Like something along those lines. Uh, Marcus Smart is going to be fascinating to watch, and I know we'll be able to talk more about him as the preseason uh, comes forth from the offseason. But how he is able to handle those assignments and if he is capable of doing all the things that the Grizzlies think he is capable of doing, that will make him better than Dylan Brooks in terms of a fit. We need to see it first, though. And I do think that's a significant point because we've seen Dylan defend once. We've seen Dylan defend fours. We know that he could do it. How does Marcus Smart do it in a different way? Because he doesn't have the same size as Dylan, so he has right. to do it differently. And how he attacks and how he is cognizant of his game evolving as he gets older. Because Marcus Smart is under contract the next three years. So yeah, we can man. chalk him up as a core guy of the Grizzlies moving forward more than likely. Because it's a relatively team-friendly deal in terms of uh, what Marcus Smart is probably actually worth in the open market. Yeah. So I, I'm curious to see how all that plays out. And, of course, we'll have plenty of time to discuss it here on Locked On Grizzlies. When we come back here on Locked On Grizzlies, we've talked a lot about defense on this episode, that championship-level coach and Taylor Jenkins, championship-level personnel, and all the various players we've been discussing, leading off with Jaron Jackson Jr. and Marcus Smart. The offense looms large. How significant is the offensive problems for Memphis compared to their championship defensive ceiling? We'll talk about that next here on Lockdown Grizzlies. Stay with us. Welcome back to Lockdown Grizzlies. I am Joe Mullinax, joined by DeMichael Cole of the Commercial Appeal there in Memphis, Tennessee. Make sure you're following him on X. Follow him on X at DeMichael C. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Mullinax. I am of Bluff City Media. I also do some work for SB Nation as well. DeMichael, it's been a championship Wednesday, an NBA Finals Wednesday. We've been talking a lot about defense winning championships over the last 20-odd minutes. Now we're going to close out this episode looking on the offensive end because, again, the Grizzlies have had championship-ish level defenses the last sure. couple of years. It's why they've For been sure. the two seed in the Western Conference both of the last two seasons. And yet, underperformance in the playoffs oftentimes having to do with half-court offense struggles. The Grizzlies continue to be pretty bad at that. I think they rated somewhere around 25th in the NBA in half-court offense this past season, give or take a, a spot or two. So that's bottom third. Like they're below average, right? They are, and that's probably being kind. You know, you could probably go worse than below average in terms of what the Grizzlies' actual output was in half court offensive sets. We talk about title defenses that matters. How far away are the Grizzlies from being a championship offense to Michael? How, what, what gap do they need to close? If we agree that they're in the bottom third of the NBA in half-court offense, what do you think they need to get to in order to become a true championship contender? Well, I think there's some continuity that needs to happen for number one, but then there's some some reshuffling that just happened okay. after this offseason. Tyus Jones, he was in the starting lineup. Uh, the half-court offense, at least for the first three quarters, for the mm -hmm. most part, was, was better. Now, when you got to the fourth quarter and teams were able to, you know, take advantage of the fact that they didn't have a lot of isolation scores, things changed. But the ball moved really well with Titus Jones in the starting lineup. And that's going to be a conversation that we have to have at some point because Marcus Smart is going to assume that role. And Marcus Smart believes he's that pass first. Uh, he's a playmaker. It's one of his underrated skills. But the Grizzlies are going to need that to be the case uh, for, for one. Two, the continuity point comes in with Luke Kennard. 
you know, me and you, we saw, and I believe it was was a game four, game mm-hmm. four in Memphis, uh, or game five. It was game. I think it was game five. Yeah, but Luke Kennard played really well, helped the Grizzlies uh, keep that series alive, and in game five before he got hurt and whatnot. But what happened was the Grizzlies went to a smaller lineup where they had Bain and Kennard on the floor together, and in, the offense was humming against sure. the Lakers. As soon as that lineup was gone, as soon as Kennard got hurt, like it, things just just bottomed out. And that's what we saw in game six, right? Game six was ugly. And Correct. that was because was no Luke Kennard. So now my point is you get a full season of Luke Kennard here. Then you work in those Desmond Bain and Luke Kennard lineups a little sure. bit more. Uh, you find out. Okay, what defensive pairings work best with it? Like Dez and Luke, we didn't see much of it in the regular right. season. Like when they when they did it in Game Five against the Lakers, it was like, oh, they might have found something, like in this series. Right. Uh, but he didn't play in Game Six. But uh, the point is, you need more continuity with that pairing. And then I think Marcus Smart, uh, his his development as this pass first guy is big as well. And then there's the the obvious one. And maybe you'll touch on it because me and you've talked about it a bunch. And it's that shot creator. Uh, who's going to be that guy who can create for himself efficiently? Desmond Bain can get to his spots. Uh, yeah. But historically speaking, that's not the most efficient part of his game. No. You know, and there are other guys. Derrick Rose will be able to get to his spots. How efficient will he be, you know, doing that? And how much playing time will he get to, to do that uh, as well? And then there's the young guys. Uh, Jake Moravia was getting to his spots well and creating for himself and summer league. Can that translate over here? Uh, Zaire Williams, can he take that that step as well? Jan Jackson Jr., as a shot creator, we talked about how his isolation scoring uh, was in the top uh, – Top third of the, I believe he was in the 85th percentile in right. the NBA is isolation score. Uh, can that translate as he gets a higher volume? Uh, they have to get better in isolations, and I think that's the key. They have to get better in isolation. They have to find ways that continuity is so important that you talked about, and it also is significant to Michael, at least in my opinion, for them to be able to put themselves in better positions to take advantage of mismatches. You saw that somewhat but they did it inconsistently. And a mismatch can be bigger than Jaron Jackson Jr. is six foot 11. The guy defending him is six foot six, yeah. right? It could be, it could be larger than that. It can be a, a schematic mismatch, right? Yeah. The team is not respecting Bain as a shooter. The team is allowing John Morant too much space for a skip pass across on a certain type of defensive coverage. I think game to game, week to week, month to month, you know, Taylor Jenkins, who is a championship level defensive coach, I agree with that because his mm-hmm. main mentor, Mike Budenholzer, was a championship level defensive coach. Yeah. He kind of shares the weaknesses of Budenholzer, too, on the offensive end. It seems, at least to this point, Jenkins yeah. has not been willing. It's kind of scary. Right. It's kind of scary. He's like, not been willing to make the changes necessary to his own offensive sets to get the results that we need more consistently. Now, I do think it's important to point out Luke Kennard changed that a little bit. You did see more off-ball screens, more sets being run around the elbow and on the perimeter to get Kennard open looks. You didn't see that as often because the Grizzlies didn't have a shooter like that. And obviously, as you mentioned earlier, uh, Dez could find his own shot at times. He didn't need that level of attention from off-ball screens. But I wonder if Luke Kennard will kind of be the missing piece to that puzzle for, for Coach Jenkins. 
I think I think so. Uh, I, I really think so, Joe. And the question, when we talk about how good this offense can be, mm-hmm. uh, I think right now we're having this conversation saying, can they you, – you mentioned them being in the bottom third as a half-court offense. I think you don't you don't have to be, you know, the Golden State, the 2017 Golden State no. Warriors to win a championship, you know, offense. We've seen, historically speaking, whether it was those Steve Nash, Dallas, and Phoenix teams, mm-hmm. whether it was, you know, all these hot-shot offenses of the past 20-plus years – uh, not win championships. Seen a lot of that, right? But at the end of the day, look at those Detroit Pistons in the mid two thousands and San Antonio Spurs. You can just bottle up guys and do enough in that half court. Uh, you'll you'll be efficient enough. And that goes back to the Luke Kennard point. I think Luke Kennard is a guy because he doesn't really create for himself really well against playoff competition. So, so that's a fair way to put it. Based on what we've seen so far. Uh, you know, talk like I mentioned how we talked to Luke Kennard at the golf tournament and things like that. He's talked about more opportunities to put the ball on the floor. Uh, sounds good, and this is me speaking. Sounds good in the regular season, right? Playoffs, I don't think that's what you want. I don't think that's what you want. And at the end of the day, I don't think that's the strength of his game. But you know what? He's so good of a shooter. Luke Kennard can go, can go a whole first quarter not taking a shot. But that man that's guarding him will not leave his shadow. Will not leave his shadow. So you're basically going to be playing four on four, and it's going to create other opportunities for other guys out there. Uh, we saw that in, in certain situations against the Lakers where he was just on the floor. He was a net positive, even mm-hmm. when he wasn't you know, scoring 16, 17 points and making five three-pointers. Uh, his presence is a present, you know, as some people would say. So uh, you factor that in. I think he's good enough to take them – into the the top 14, top 13, which is enough, I think, to put you in that championship conversation. If you wanted this team to be an elite half-court offense, it's that's a whole other conversation. Now you're talking about, you know, going out and, and potentially getting one of those guys who can say, get out of the way. I'm going to take this guy one-on-one, and he can go get a bucket. And I don't see that guy uh, right now, you know, outside of Ja, you know, potentially – uh, Jaren, if he takes a step, but right now, Ja is that one guy. Yeah, it would involve a pretty substantial trade at this stage if they were going to take that leap into the top 10. I'm with you. I think you're exactly right. Maybe they do that if they are, you know, 13th or 14th and they decide, let's make a run for it. Let's let's see if we can do this. But we have a lot of basketball to play before we get to that point and a lot of time to cover all of those fun things here on Locked On Grizzlies. Thank you guys so much. For making Locked On Grizzlies part of your NBA and Memphis Grizzlies content consumption. We are free and available wherever you get podcasts. Check us out on YouTube as well. Like, comment, rate, review, subscribe, all those fun things. To Michael, the next time we're back on these Locked On Waves, uh, FIBA basketball is getting ready to start, right? Maybe we revisit the international game and take a look at the United States' group in tournament play because I know they don't have, in reality, a ton of competition until maybe they even get to the semifinals. It seems like things have lined up well for Team USA. Piece of cake. Piece of cake. Oh, uh, you're saying piece of group, cake. That group is a piece of cake. That I'll I'll be surprised if, if any of those games are within I'll say 15 to be lenient, but I was gonna wow. say 20. It should group play should be a breeze for Team USA. Wow, you heard it here first. I can't wait to hear DeMichael elaborate even further on that. 
on our next edition of Locked On Grizzlies. It's going to be a great episode. Hopefully, you will tune in. Until then, he is DeMichael. I am Joe. Thank you so much for being with us again. Wherever you get podcasts, make sure you're rating, reviewing, subscribing, liking, commenting. Check us out on YouTube. We'll catch you next time here on Locked On Grizzlies.